And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fed Reacts. I know it's been a minute. Um, <laughs> we're going to explain a bunch of that, guys, but let's get right into it. Let's play the intro. A special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. This is what Fed Reacts covers. Defender Jeffrey Williams and Associate Weissel did commit the felony. So here's what 6 9 actually got. This attack shifted the whole U.S. government. This guy got arrested. Espionage, okay? Trading secrets with the Russians. John Wayne Gacy, a.k.a. the killer clown, okay? One of the most prolific serial killers of all time. Killed 33 people. Zodiac Killer is a pseudonym of an unidentified serial killer who operated in Northern California. All these serial killers, guys, they really get off on getting attention from the media. Many years, Jeffrey Epstein sexually exploited and abused dozens of minor girls at his home. It was OJ working together to get Nicole killed. We're going to go over his past, the gang ties, so that this all makes sense. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Fed Reacts. Today, we're going to be covering the YNW Melly murder trial. As you guys know, I, I covered this case extensively. Um <laughs> I was probably one of the first, uh, you know, um, bigger YouTubers to go into this thing and, uh, you know, cover it extensively, talk about the actual facts of the case, actually read the criminal complaint alongside you guys and show you guys all the evidence that the state had um, in this situation. Um, so basically what went down, we have what you call a mistrial, guys. But how did we get here? Before I go ahead and talk about what uh, mistrial is and what where we go from here, let's talk about the facts of the case, what went down, okay? So October 26th, 2018, okay? Melly and his friends leave a music video studio, a music studio, right, up here in uh, in Florida, okay? And uh, about 30, 40 minutes north of here, I think it was in uh, Broward County somewhere up there, right? I'm down here in Miami-Dade. <clears throat> and... What's up happening is, next thing you know, YNW Borland is going to the hospital saying, yo, we got hit in a drive-by, um, my two friends are dead, blah, 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 gives this crazy story, and the police are investigating, and they start figuring out, okay, you guys weren't involved in a drive-by shooting, we think it's Melly. But let's go ahead real quick, guys, and summarize through the case, because I think I, I don't think a lot of people actually know the facts of the case. They just kind of know some of the stuff that happened and they watch some of the trial, but they don't really know everything. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and summarize the investigation, right? We're going to go back in time a little bit, summarize, and we're going to go ahead and get into where we are now, right? So first, let's start with who is YNW Melly, okay, guys? So YNW, uh, Jamel Maurice Demons, okay? or demands, as they referred to him on uh, in the trial. Born May 1st, 1999, known professionally as YW Melly, initialism for Young Nigga World Melly. Yes, that is the real acronym. That's what it stands for, guys, right? Is an American rapper and singer. He is best known for his songs, Murder on My Mind. Obviously, you guys, uh, they did not use this song in uh, against him in the trial. Mixed Personalities featuring Kanye West. Suicidal featuring Juice World and 223s featuring Nine uh, nine Glock, or Glock 9, excuse me. The first to consider his breakout, which garnered him further attention after being charged with double murder of his two fellow rappers in the YNW Collective in November 2019. He released his debut album, Melly vs. Melvin, peaking number eight on the Billboard 200. In February 2019, he was arrested and charged with two counts of premeditated murder and faced a life imprisonment without the possibility of parole or the death penalty if convicted. He is also <clears throat> a suspect in the 2017 murder of a sheriff's deputy in Gifford. In March 2019, Demons pleaded not guilty to double murder charges and is currently on trial. And as you guys know, 
he, uh, you know, we just recently got the mistrial. So here's the arrest documents, right, right, guys, um, that he had. And if you guys watched the first episode, I actually went through um, this extensively, but give you guys a quick little refresher here. Um, this is booking information, right? Obviously, when he comes in, they go ahead and they take all information, right? Right, Jamel Demons, uh, or Demens, however they want to pronounce it. Um, and then we have, <clears throat> you go here. Here's a probable cause affidavit, right? On February 13, 2019, 1800 hours, subject uh, Demons, Jamel arrived in uh, at the main jail facility, self-surrender uh, himself. A warrant check was completed and confirmed by a re records technician, Green, uh, subject taken into custody for processing, okay? And then this basically, all right, is all the stuff. Now, this is where stuff gets, and here you can see Moretti, Mark A. This is the lead investigator here, right? So, Anthony Williams, contrary to uh, um, Section 78 and uh, 775 of the Florida Statute, on or about the 26th day of uh, October in the year of 2018 in the county of Broward State, Florida, Jamel Demons and Cortland Henry did then and there unlawfully and feloniously while acting as principals kill and murder Christopher Th Thomas Jr., a human being, by shooting him with a firearm with a premeditated intent to cause the death of said Christopher Thomas Jr. And during the course thereof, Jamel Demons did actually possess and discharge a firearm and as a result, Death was inflicted on Christopher Thomas Jr., contrary to sections such and such, right, of the Florida statutes, right? So now we're going to get into the uh, complaint affidavit, which lists out the, um, and then this was uh, the arrest warrant that he got, right? It said, you're arrested to come, you, you're commanded to take Jamel Demons if that person be found in your country, arrest and safely keep so that you may have the person's body before the judge. So this is what you get a lot of times once you file a complaint to go ahead and arrest somebody, right? Uh, and then here is the actual affidavit, okay? And this goes into the facts. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let the chat decide, right? If you guys want me to, because it was a while ago when I covered this. If you guys want me to read through this, give me a one. If you guys want me to just kind of go into what's going on now, give me a two. So give me a one if you guys want me to read through this so you guys understand all the facts of the case and how we even got here, or a two. Uh-huh. And I know some of you guys are saying tissues. Uh, guys, I lost my voice a bit from all the filming. All right. Or a two if you guys want me to just get into the mistrial stuff. Let's see. I'm looking here. Looks like it's mostly twos. All right, cool. All right, all right. All right, awesome, awesome, awesome. So you guys are all aware of the facts. Good, good. Okay, so quick little recap then. If uh, you guys are aware of all the, per the the all the facts in general, just to give you guys a quick little refresher, because a lot of people don't know this. Melly, right, allegedly was sitting in the back seat. This is YNW Borland right here, sitting in the front left. Then you got uh, Sack Chaser on the right, who's uh, Williams, and then Thompson is YNW Juvie sitting in the back right. Okay, um, and. When Bortland brought them to the um, emergency room, guys, they were sitting in these seats dead, okay? And Melly was nowhere to be seen. Now, why is that confusing to people? Well, it's because you can see here, right? Here's the surveillance footage from that day. I'm going to turn the music off, guys, because I know I'm probably going to get a little copyright or something like that. I'm playing it sped up a bit, okay? Hold on. So, so you can see Melly here getting he was the last one to come out by the way 
Because at this point, all the other parties are in the car. So he gets in, right? Back left seat. Then you're going to see where everyone else sat. Boom, there's Juvie, right? Right here. YW Juvie. He's in the back. This is Bortland. Oh, wow. Did they not? God damn it. I hate TikTok. So useless. All right. Let me go back and play the original uh, surveillance footage. I didn't want to play the original for y'all, but I guess I, I have to because this thing didn't even show where everyone was sitting. God, incompetent people everywhere. All right. And I'm going to go ahead and read some of these chats for y'all as well. Um, <clears throat> give me one second, guys. Uh, Okay, is this it? 27. No, that's not it. Sorry, guys. Studio. Okay, here we go. All right. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. I'll show you all now. All right. So, here, right? Shots of Law and Crime Network. So, first. You're going to see this is Sack Chaser, right? Gets in, going back. Here he is right here. We're going to speed this up, too, for y'all. And then this is YNW Bortland, okay? And you guys could see here he is right here, right? So Sack Tracer and Portland are in. And then these are the guys in the in the uh in the red Mitsubishi. This guy I think ended up actually testifying for the uh for the prosecution. This dude right here. Bam, who's this? This is my YNW Melly right here, guys, in the jean jacket coming out with the with the bag. Right? So where does he go? He gets in the backseat, as you guys know. And then here we go. Here's Juvie. And that's where they go. And then they all dip out. Right? So now y'all know where they were sitting. So now we're going to go ahead and react to the closing arguments, guys. Okay? So in a trial, okay, guys, the prosecution goes first. They make their case. The defense, right, is defending, cross-examining witnesses, etc. Right? And at the end... You have something called closing arguments. And closing arguments, guys, is basically where each party gives a summarization of their case, the facts, and arguing for why the defendant is either guilty or innocent. Or why the case, or in this case, why the state might have not proved their case for the defense. Right? So we're gonna go ahead and watch this video right here from Law Crime Network because I think it's very important that you guys understand what went down in the closing arguments. And then we'll go into um, the mistrial part here. Went on for five years. The only person. And that's the prosecutor right there. Every piece of evidence points to is this defendant. The Jolly Green Giant or the Midget was a shooter in this case. They would either be closer to the car or further from the car. And that's his defense attorney right there. Uh, Melly's defense attorney. Depending upon their size, 
With a potential verdict on the horizon, we look at some of the highlights from the prosecution and defense battling it out in closing arguments in the YNW Melly murder trial. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law and Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Well, folks, we have come to the end of YNW Melly's double murder trial out of Broward County, Florida. The murder on my mind rapper, whose real name is Jamel Demons, is charged with the murders of his two friends and fellow YNW group rappers, Christopher Thomas Jr., or YNW Juvie, and Anthony Williams, or YNW Sack Chaser. The men were found shot to death on October 26, 2018, after Melly's co-defendant, Cortland Henry, also known as YNW Bortland, pulled up to the hospital with the bodies of Thomas and Williams in the car, claiming that they were all victims of a drive-by shooting. However, the evidence has suggested, or at least as the prosecution has suggested, this was a staged drive-by shooting, and the shots actually came from inside the vehicle. Prosecution even highlighted how the defendant was a member of a gang called the G-Shine Bloods. And I'm going to talk about that because they spent a lot of time talking about Melly being a blood gang member. You guys can hear them throwing gang signs, etc. But I want to talk about that here um, as well. We can't forget that there is a lot at stake here because the death penalty is on the table if Melly is convicted. Not just that. The law changed in Florida. It used to be you needed a unanimous vote for the death penalty. Now the law is you only need an eight to four vote by the jury. So how will the jury decide? Well, at the time of this recording, they are still deliberating. But we wanted to take the time to recap the last things that this jury heard in that courtroom. That is right. The closing arguments. And as I said before, closing arguments, they're not evidence. But this is the last attempt by the prosecution and the defense. They go first, right. showing how. So we're going to fast forward. Inside the car. Importantly, she delivered. The so she does a good she does a good job here. She's going to talk about how the shots came inside from inside the car, guys, because remember when YNW Portland was arrested by the police or when he went to the police originally, he said, oh, um, we were victims of a drive by shooting. But, you know, all the evidence shows that the shots came from inside the vehicle. And I'm going to don't worry, guys. I'm going to also give you guys my final take on what I think is going to happen as well. And she started with arguably the most important evidence showing how the shooting happened inside the car. All right, before we get into that, Slippery Beats goes, uh, Myron, no beat around the bush on this one. What are your thoughts on the Zeno Sneeko situation? How will this affect FNF moving forward? It won't affect us at all, man. It won't affect us at all. We're going to keep doing what we do, giving y'all content. Don't worry about that. Uh, will you cover? Uh, will you ever cover Special Agent Kiki Camarena? I just finished the last narc doc. We will. Don't worry. And that was the, for some of you guys that are wondering. That was the E agent that was um, tortured in Mexico. Uh, this idiot killed the sheriff's deputy, right? And that's for Michael Canonas. Um, it's alleged, never proven. Uh, Junior goes. I'm sorry. It came out that Melly's mother said that nine of the twelve jurors voted Melly not guilty. Is it possible for her to know this information? Uh, I don't know. I mean, unless they came out and like actually said that. But um, we're not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many of them actually voted him um, as not guilty. That seems like a lot. So then we have one of the things that Detective Williams relied I'm gonna speed on this a bit. the shirt of Cortland Henry. So Cortland Henry shirt. If you recall, there is a spot of blood on the front of the shirt. That blood. You guys could see him coming out with the surveillance footage wearing this shirt, and, and Drew filmed it this is the guy that records a lot of their music videos if you guys if you guys know he shoots a lot of rap music videos as Bert Robinson told you belongs to Anthony Williams what does that tell you ladies and gentlemen that during the course of this shooting Cortland Henry has his back against the driver's seat 
and is driving, wearing the shirt when the shooting occurs. You know from that that he is not the shooter. Why? Because if he was the shooter, the angle to get that wouldn't have the blood on the front of the shirt. They would have it coming across the driver's side. So that's important. There's no way that he could have shot the two victims from being in the driver's seat, as you guys saw in the surveillance footage. And towards the side of the shirt, not the front. The entrance on Mr. Williams is back behind his left ear, and the exit is up here in his hair. So what okay, who's she talking about? She's talking about, again, remember, guys, she's talking about Williams. He got shot in the back, and the bullet came out the top of his head. Very you know, violent scene. Christopher Thomas's wound, that it's coming in at almost 90 degrees on the left side of his face, and that there is stippling. You learned about stippling. You learned from Sergeant Williams, as well as from the medical examiners, that the firearm that inflicted that wound was approximately three inches to no more than three feet. We know it came from the backseat passenger. It could have been, because there is stippling. Strike K comes in and hits the front So what she's showing is that, right, because remember, guys, the wound patterns, right, you got one victim sitting here, and you got another victim sitting here. The wounds came from the left to right, but the drive-by shooting bullets go left to, uh, sorry, right to left. So you got the wound pattern showing they were indefinitely shot from inside the vehicle, right, with the stippling. Stippling is the burning marks that when a gun is shot at close range. Right. And you got the wounds all on the left side of the victims. But the bullets come in from right to left. So it doesn't make sense. And that's what she's showing here. That tells you that that door was open when that drive by was staged. Because as you heard from Sergeant Williams, if this was actually a drive by. So this is crazy. So the door was open when one of the shots came in, which tells you that they, somebody got out from around here, walked around here, and started shooting. This is what you would have seen. Strikes coming in at different angles, at obtuse angles, there would be angles of entry that would show either a pattern of speeding up or slowing down. But instead, you have them coming in at 90 degrees. The state has established that there was someone in that rear seat. Someone who was in that rear seat is the person who committed this murder. And who is that person that sat in that seat? Well, Bradley goes back to the infamous surveillance footage of Demi. <laughs> and y'all see it right here. Oh, sorry guys, Angie hit my sound effect board. <laughs> Um, yeah, and you guys can see here this surveillance footage I showed y'all before. Yeah, you could just unplug it. Thanks. It's Henry, Thomas, and Williams leaving the recording studio that night. So we have the studio video. This is going to go through and you can track the defendant wearing that lyrical lemonade sweater all the way out to the Jeep where he gets in the spot. All right, why is that important that they that they showed him walking out of the music studio the whole time with his phone in his hand? Well, guys, as you know, the phone is what they used to track him the entire time. Verse 7. It's important to notice, ladies and gentlemen, that phone. Always, always, always in his hand. And let's talk about that phone, because that was a crucial piece of evidence for the state. Mr. Dennis, 772-7... Now you guys all know YNW Melly's number, number right here. 772-13-9807. So we have here between 320 a.m. and 3.57 a.m. 772-713-9807, Mr. Dennis' phone. All right, so this is really smart that she did this. So she went ahead and took Melly's phone and William's phone, right? Again, William's right here, and Melly. And what do they do? They chart them together in the um, as they're traveling together from point from point to point. You learned that the phones of Mr. Dennis and Mr. Williams travel in from three twenty a.m. Okay, and out there is the middle of nowhere, guys, on the edge of the Everglades, by the way, that area, which, again, very important to note, 
was contrary to what Bortland told the police of where they were shot uh, during the drive-by. He never mentioned this area right here, which is how the police were able to find this area in the first place was through the phones. On October 26th of 2018, Jameson Francois' phone is out there in that same US 27 Pembroke Road location. And so is that of Mr. Dennis. Very odd location to go to. Nothing out there. That's evidence of a murder. <coughs> and ladies and gentlemen, you know the number of gel casings that were found at that scene. And you know that there's at least a group Q fired into the outside of that <coughs> Not including the ones inside the vehicle. In terms of the number of shots that are fired. But they're going back there. And just so you guys know, Jameson Francois is 100 track. Who's 100 track? That is Melly's number uh, manager. Okay, look, just as you guys can see here, here he is, Jameson Francois, born May 19, 1991, otherwise known as 100 track, is the CEO, and he's basically Melly's uh, manager. This is uh, him right here. Oh, my bad. Right here on, from Vlad TV. Y'all know. So I'm not going to play the Vlad because I know he's going to hit us with a copy immediately. So. To Mr. Dennis's phone at 4:40 a.m. Remember the timing advance stands. So at this point, at 4:40 a.m., you also have seen the Memorial Miramar video, where at 4:35, Memorial Hospital is right here. At 4:35, five minutes earlier, Horton Henry drives the gray jeep into the hospital with the two deceased victims. Now, in other words, what the prosecution is arguing is that Demons was with the victims, and his phone places him at key locations like that remote area where the staged shooting could have occurred. That's my understanding of that. Now, of course, the question is, yes, that's exactly what she's arguing. And she's saying the reason why she's saying that is because Melly's phone was with the victim's phone at the same time. And it was in a secluded area that was contrary to what YW Borland told the police. That's a key thing as well, is that there was a very clear attempt at um, deception. Right. So the police wouldn't know what really went down. It was through the phone evidence that they were able to even like really find where the vehicle was. And when they went to that secluded area, guys, what did they find? They found broken glass and they found bullet casings, right? That matched the bullet casings that were in the vehicle. Cause remember there was one 40 cal um, shell casing in the back left seat where Melly was sitting, allegedly sitting. Right. And then they also found shell casings. I think seven or eight shell casings where that murder scene was right. Where they had tried to do the drive-by shooting and they found broken glass, the broken glass that they found, matched okay the jeep that they were in and that's how they were able to basically figure out that that was in fact where the murders occurred through the phones how do we know this is his phone the defense argued that the phone is used so now we're going to go into okay well the phones put us at the crime scene how do we know that Melly is the actual user of said telephone many people they switch it off can't say for sure he was using it maybe somebody else was using it that day Christine Bradley had an answer for that. And the other reason, too, why they made this argument, guys, is because after Melly was in prison, other people used that phone. So they're try they, they made an argument saying, yo, well, it's not Melly's phone. Other people have used this phone before. How can you um, be so sure that he is the actual owner and user of that phone? Because if I'm not mistaken, that phone is either under Melly's name, under his, uh, excuse me, not Melly's name, his mother or his manager, uh, 100 track. It's under their name. So they're saying, OK, number one, it's not under his name. Uh, we know other people use it, et cetera. So what the, the prosecution did was they showed um, conversations between Melly and his mom, and they also showed um, his photo roll, camera roll, and you can see a bunch of selfies in there. So that's what they used to say um, 
that Melly was in fact the user of the phone. And also, uh, they looked at other messages where Melly gave his number out to people, and he gave that number, which they're saying is the same number that's linked to the same device that was found over there at the crime scene. This is going to be a quick confession in this case. So 4 p.m. 4 p.m. I did that with a smiley face. Oh, my God. So right after the murder, because you guys can see here, 2018, October 26th, <laughs> I did that, author YNW Melly. And he's sending this to PZ Gambino. And if I'm not mistaken, this was on Instagram, right, right after the murder. I did that with a smiley face. And that's when I said an opening. Context is key. And look at the messages between Mr. Demons and Mr. Gambino. PZ Gambino is a blood gang member. He uses all those same information, slang words, changing of the letters that you learned about from Detective Polo. October 26th, he asked to reach out to see how the defendant's doing. And the defendant says, I did that. <laughs> it's maybe spelling. Oh, other times he uses D-A-T. Okay, so and very important. So when it says I did that, right? You guys can see here I did that, and then um, the you can't see the emoji because this is coming from a Cellbrite guy. So when they pull the Cellbrite, some of the characters get messed up. But um, it had a smiley face on there. But it says I did that. Now what the defense did, which is actually very clever that they did this, they said, okay, if you guys are gonna say that he said I did that, let's go through all his other text messages. And as you guys know, they were using, they were trying to establish that it was his phone, so they were going through all the text messages with his family members, etc. And throughout all of it, Melly writes that with D A T, that. Okay. And the defense tried to say, well, he didn't write this message because they spelled it T H A T. So the prosecutor is gonna counter that right now with um, him allegedly only referring to that with the D A T. Yeah, that Instagram message right there. Okay, so she's saying he has a song called THAT. After the killings, that's big. I did that and then followed up with a message. Shh. What Bradley is referring to when she says that or that is the defense because they seemingly argue that maybe Demons didn't send that message because he usually uses that instead of that. But you heard Bradley's response. Finally, let's talk about a potential motive because the question is why on earth? Would so this was a big one um, that, that that defense was using. And a lot of people that support Melly, they were saying, yo, well, why would he kill them? Like these guys are friends. And even one of the um, the defense actually called a witness up, guys, only only the witness that they brought up, actually. And the witness said, yo, um, there was no arguments or anything like that or any issues going on prior um, at the music studio to the shooting. This man want to kill his two friends? Prosecution gave something for the jury to think about. We've gone over the messages where you can see the animosity that there is. All right, so this is what he has the people saved in as his phone, okay? So Brazy Lady is his mom, and he's using the B instead of the C. And uh, as you guys know, uh, in gang culture, as a blood member, you don't use the word C. It stops. You use a B, right? And then twin, that's Anthony Williams. Uh, and then you got Juvie. Christopher Thomas, right? This is the guy that was sitting next to him. Anthony Williams is the guy that was sitting in front. And then you got Frederick Gibbons. Bang. Who's Bang? Guys, that is Fredo Bang, the rapper. Contention between Mr. Williams and Mr. Dennis, where Mr. Williams is making it clear that, and I will fully agree, Mr. Dennis was a talented musical artist. Anthony Williams had not had that level of success. Christopher Thomas. Didn't have that level of success. They don't have that opportunity because the defendant killed him. 
And guys, do me a quick favor. We got 3,100 y'all in here, man. You guys could be anywhere else in the world, but you're here. Thank you so much. The only thing I ask is like the video, guys. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Some of you guys might be new to this channel. So go ahead and like the video, man. I see that we only got 496 likes. We got almost, we're closing in on 3,500 live viewers. So please like the video. Let's get to 3,000 likes. But the defendant was making money. He was the one that was the revenue source, the meal ticket in the house. Look at the messages. Look at the tone of them. Look who's asking for money. Look at the way they communicate about things for the house, about food. And look at where Anthony Williams is saying, look, I'm the CEO. The others are artists. Anthony is saying, myself, Mr. Demons, Mr. Thomas, we're the CEOs. But at that time, Mr. Demons is the only one who's actually putting in the work, who's doing anything, who's making the money, who's recording the Money is the root of all evil, guys. You have the chat with Frederick Gibbons. And then that is the one in which the defendant has to be picked up from the side of Pembroke Road. That's that drop-in that we talked about in relation to the cast records. That phone is being used by the person who committed the murder. And then you the only evidence before you, the only evidence is that the only person that used that phone was the defendant, Jamel Dennis. Now let's get into the defense's closing argument in the YNW Melly double murder trial. And defense attorney Stuart Edelston first started by focusing on the problems in the investigation. Now, just to make this very clear for you guys, the defense's job, guys, is to defend. Now, I know that sounds like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, duh. But when I say defend, that means as in, they don't have to take an active role in defending. They're standing ground, okay? And it's the prosecution's job to prove, beyond a reasonable doubt, by the way, that the defendant is in fact guilty. The defense is under no obligation to present evidence. The defense is under no obligation to bring witnesses. The defense is under no obligation to do anything. Honestly, if they wanted to, they could just sit there and ex cross-examine and or ask questions to defendants or not even do that, but then they'd probably get in trouble for malpractice. But you guys get the point. The burner performance is never on the defense. The burner performance is on the prosecution every single time. It's the prosecution's job to prove that the individual did it okay and if there's any doubt any reasonable doubt then uh the person walks okay so what he's going to do here guys is he's going to focus on the failures of the government's investigation so i want you guys to really take that in and understand that it's not about arguing that he's innocent it's about arguing that the prosecution didn't go hard enough at proving that their defendant is guilty Understand that that's a much different frame to to approach it from. It's in the United States, it's innocent until proven guilty. So that means that it's on the prosecution to prove that they're guilty. And keyword is prove. So what all the defense has to do is say, "Yo, did they actually prove it though? I know it looks bad, and it might be probable that my guy might have been the um the defendant here, or maybe they committed the crime. But do you know beyond a reasonable doubt that he committed the crime?" It doesn't matter if it's probable. Probable isn't enough, okay? And let me explain this real fast for y'all because I want you guys to, all, to understand this because um, there seems to be confusion with this. To make an arrest, you need something called probable cause, okay? Let's say probable cause is right. Let's use this mic as a, as a standard, right? So probable cause is right here, okay? This is just to arrest individual and indict them and charge them, okay? An indictment in the United States is a formal charge of some kind of... Um, criminal violation, right? 
probable cause. So whether they do a criminal complaint like I showed you guys before from a de detective where he outlines all the evidence and he gets an arrest warrant, or they go to a grand jury and they give the information out, excuse me, they, the, they present their case and they get an indictment, criminal complaint or an indictment, same exact thing. The threshold is what? Probable cause. We're right here. Okay? However, to put someone in prison, right, and convict them, you need something called beyond a reasonable doubt, especially in a trial, okay? Now, the reason why most people don't go to trial is because they know that they're going to lose. So what they'll do is they'll uh, plead guilty, all right? Most cases, about 90% plus of cases, somewhere, actually more like 95% plus of cases in the United States, plead out. Cases rarely go to trial, as you guys are seeing now. But if you do go to trial, you got to prove that person guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So reasonable doubt, guys, sorry, beyond a reasonable doubt, guys, is up here, okay? So again, probable cause is right here. This is just to arrest the individual, get him indicted and formally charged and get him into the system. Now, beyond a reasonable doubt, is up here. You understand? So the defense, their job is to say, yo, you didn't prove all the way up here. You might have probable cause that my defendant did this. Probably, maybe, probable. But is it beyond a reasonable doubt up here? No, it's not. That's what the defense is going to do right here in this closing argument. They didn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that my client was guilty. Give me ones in the chat if that helped you guys understand the perspective of how criminal cases are done, especially from a trial sense. It's not the defense's job to prove the case, guys. It's on the prosecution. I think that's something that gets um, kind of uh, glazed over. And isn't um, people say, oh, the defense didn't do anything or the defense did a city job. The defense doesn't have to do anything. They just have to make sure they have to make the uh, prosecution look terrible. That's or not make them look, uh, excuse me, incompetent, which you guys are going to see here. So let's go ahead into the summary of the defense. Number 26, that day of the shooting. Uh, I'm glad that you guys, it, it, it's making sense. Perfect, perfect. Awesome. We learned immediately that that Jeep was taken to a secure area and it was searched for over 15 hours because about three years later, miraculously, even though it was searched for hours by crime scene technicians. Sergeant Williams comes into the scene at the request of the state of Florida, this particular prosecutor right here. And miraculously, he's... All right, so he's taking digs. What is he doing? He's trying to say that the police are incompetent and an investigator had to come in way after the fact and they did had to do multiple searches. And then let's see what he says next. Finds additional evidence, two projectiles and a bloodstain that obviously everyone else missed. That should tell you something about the quality of this investigation. Bam. So it, 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 someone else had to come in and he found some vital evidence. So that tells you that everyone else messed up. They didn't take this case seriously. They were lazy. So look, this investigation wasn't taken seriously. That's what he's alleging, right? And since they didn't take this investigation seriously, the evidence is weak. All the pictures of the Jeep, all bloody, blood all over the place. And we learned that you could spray and determine if there was blood right there on the carpet, even though you don't see it. Why in the heck don't you get a search warrant for the house? Why in the heck don't you? Don't tell us. We didn't know where it lived. Don't tell us it was months later because they go into. Okay, why is this important? He's trying to say, yo, you guys had the car. You guys searched the car. You guys had it forever. You searched it for damn near a day right? 18 hours, whatever it may be, he's just said, right? And you found this blood, all this evidence. Why don't you get a search warrant for Melly's house? You know where he lived. Why don't you guys get a search warrant for the house, right? 
So he's trying to say that they're lazy and they didn't go ahead and take the steps that they were supposed to take, and that's why the evidence is lacking. The Clark four years later, because they take execute a search warrant on his house, his apartment, and his storage unit. They find ammunition in there. They find in the storage unit, I think, three holsters and gun locks. We don't know what type of guns belong to those those holsters. We don't know what type of guns were the gun locks to. All we know is there are three guns missing based upon the three holsters. And Moretti doesn't even answer. Moretti is a lead detective. Now, again, guys, right, as a guy that's a former investigator, I'll tell y'all, like, this, this isn't really that important for them to be doing, like, what he's talking about, like, finding the guns for the, for, from the storage unit. That's not really important. But what is the defense doing? He's doing a fantastic job of trying to say the police are incompetent. Okay, that's his job. Yo, they didn't do everything. That, they didn't do everything. Did they turn every rock? No, they didn't. Where these weapons are? What are these weapons? Should it concern you? Yes. Should it show you a lack of evidence? Yes. Ask yourself. They keep telling you to use your common sense. Use your common sense, please. Ask yourself why a lead detective of a double homicide would not ask Jameson Francois, where the hell are they going? They did absolutely nothing once they got that surveillance tape. Blinders. Blinders. All right, the surveillance tape that we're talking about, guys, is the one where we saw um, Melly go into the backseat. He's saying that they basically just unfairly targeted Melly the entire time once they got the footage from the uh, music studio. We're not going to look to the left. We're not going to look to the right. We're just going to direct everything to this young man. The main idea here is that this investigation was rushed. It wasn't thorough. And all police did was have tunnel vision and focus on YNW Melly. You might recall that in the opening statements delivered by the defense, they said that law enforcement went after Melly because he was a high-profile person. And the defense actually goes on to put more emphasis not on Melly, but someone else, Cortland Henry, and his role in all of this. We know that Cortland Henry's involved. We all know that, according to the state, Cortland Henry lied to the police. Okay, just so you guys know, it was never Melly that gave the statement about um, them getting hit in a drive-by. It was Cortland Henry that did that. Now, Melly in his documentary made a, you know, there was a, they said it as well, but he didn't overtly actually say it himself, like, oh, yeah, we got attacked in a drive-by. Melly never gave a statement to the police. It was Henry that said this ridiculous story when he brought the two bodies to the hospital. And we also know, as the investigation progresses. So the defense is trying to put the blame on, on Henry, right? Rightfully so. They're trying to protect their client, right? They don't care about Henry. They care about their client. And a lot of times, guys, when you end up in cases like this where you have multiple conspirators, etc., the first thing the defense does for each of those clients is they're going to attack other conspirators in the um, in the case to show that, hey, this guy is the most culpable, he's the mastermind, etc. My guy was just taking orders, blah, blah, blah. They tried to minimize the role of their client while simultaneously increasing the role of the other of the other defendants to make their defendant not look as bad, right? So this is a common tactic by defense. So you got to throw other people under the bus, right? And I'm sure Melly's kind of like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, I got to look out for number one. Uh, Cortland Henry had blood matching the victim. He also had GSR, a gunshot residue, on his clothes. 
And remember, Courtland Henry is the co-defendant in this case. He's going to be tried separately. The driver. But then the defense focused on their sole witness, the only person that they called to the stand, Adrian Davis. So this guy, right? focused on their sole witness the only person and i broke this down on another on, a, on an episode where we covered this live this guy basically um melly Beasley's thing he needs he needs to get this guy a fucking record deal or something he basically gives a story saying that melly got in the mitsubishi with them and he was there when the news broke that um the friends were killed so he's not putting melly in the vehicle which is huge because the prosecution's case relies upon them um putting melly in the vehicle Right. I know some of y'all were in the chat when I was doing this thing live. We're saying, oh, this dude's a rat. And I'm like, are you guys stupid? Like this dude is literally testifying <laughs> under penalty of perjury, by the way, because we all know this story's cat. But he's he's uh, uh, testifying that Melly was in their car and not necessarily in, in the Jeep or the uh, the Jeep that was involved in the murder. So this uh, guys, just because you take the stand does not mean you're a snitch. You could be taking a stand in your homie's favor, like in this case. So this is one of those exceptions where he's taking a stand, and I would not consider this guy a rat whatsoever. ...that they call to the stand, Adrian Davis. We had to call Adrian Davis. And you've learned that Adrian Davis showed up in the state attorney's office and gave a sworn statement. They never told you this. We did. We don't have to do any of this. And Adrian Davis said, I told you. He got in the car. How do I know that? Because I was woken up when someone was crawling in the back seat. How do I know that? When we got to Melly's house, he's the one who had to open the door. Because only he and Cortland Henry had the key to his house. Why do we have to do that? Why did they conceal that from me? Why did they hide that from me? Now, that was a major point for the defense because Adrian Davis testified that everything seemed normal before the shooting. He was actually with all of them at the recording studio before the shooting took place. He said there were no fights, nothing like that. And then he said that Melly got into the Jeep that was leaving the recording studio. He went into a Mitsubishi. And at some point, he says Melly left that Jeep and hopped into the Mitsubishi. He doesn't remember when because he was basically asleep. He was intoxicated. And that they were together when they found out that Thomas and Williams were. He was high and drunk because they had been drinking and uh, smoking guys when they were doing that studio session. Right. And then when the prosecution brought him back, brought him on cross, he didn't have many answers. If you guys don't believe me, go ahead and watch that episode on my uh, Fed. It's actually funny. She started making fun of him. Uh, you know, why were you using Melly's account to get girls? You have trouble getting girls yourself. And I was like, bro, what the hell? <laughs> she was kind of making fun of him on, on uh, cross. But um, but yeah. The kill. That's an alibi. And you can maybe understand why the defense only called one witness in this case. Because if the jury believes that, then they say Melly wasn't in the Jeep when the shootings happened. And after the defense presented their closing argument, the prosecution had a quick rebuttal argument. Here's a sample. You've heard an hour and 10 minutes of speculation. Let's talk about Adrian Davis, AD. So why would counsel ask me? Why would you call him? That assumes the witness is credible. That assumes the witness is telling the truth. That assumes that Adrian Davis's testimony is consistent with every other sworn statement, deposition, and trial testimony in this the witness is not credible and doesn't agree with any other piece of evidence in the case. Nothing called. And there's no evidence whatsoever that supports this, oh, the phone was left in the car here. There's none. Phones don't send messages and walk 1,300 steps by themselves. There's no evidence whatsoever that anybody else got in that Jeep. But the evidence does show the defendant was consistently in that Jeep, and that Jeep never stopped during that whole course of travel until it got to the edge of the Everglades. The edge of the Everglades, where there's no witnesses, where there's no cameras, 
where they can stage a crime scene to try and get away with murder. And there you have it. We will wait and see who the jury believed and who they did not. That's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe. All right. So that right there, guys. Okay. So now we're going to go ahead and go into what is a mistrial in Florida, right? So here we go. So this leads to a mistrial, right, guys? And the jury was deadlocked. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to come to. Uh, they couldn't come to a resolution. And it means the defendant is not acquitted of the crime, but is not yet convicted either and will likely return to jail unless they have bonded out until the new trial begins. Mistrials do not happen very often, but they clearly do. They certainly do happen. All right. So I just want to make this very clear because a lot of people said, yo, he's going to be out. He's going to be out. Guys, he's not acquitted. OK, he's not innocent yet. What that means, basically, is that they're going to have to redo. OK, they're going to have to redo this trial. Right. So right after. This trial was done. The lawyer asked her, okay, or actually, you know what? Let me see if I can find the video for y'all. Hold on. I'll find it right now. All right. So, so mistrial, I'll, I'll show you guys versus, uh, where is it? And they were, they were trying to go for the mistrial earlier on in the trial, if you guys remember. Right, because it buys them a bit more time. No, God damn it. Let me see if it does it for sure. Off the topic six, we begin with a stunning development in the double murder trial of YNW Melly. After days of deliberations, the jury was deadlocked, leading the judge to declare a mistrial. And local tennis Joseph Ojo was at the courthouse in Fort Lauderdale with reaction. And what happens next? And decisions ending after three days with the jury not able to come up with a unanimous decision to decide the fate of YNW Melly. After considering all, all right, so hold on, let me. This one we don't need to do so so fast. With the jury not able to come up with a unanimous decision to decide the fate of YNW Melly. So bam, just declare he declares a mistrial. Considering all the facts, jurors in Y. Which basically means that the whole trial was just invalid. Okay, because remember, there's a couple of ways to go to get a mistrial, guys. You can get a mistrial through, um, you know, a mistake by the prosecution. You can get it from a mistake by defense. Or you can get it through what we see here, which is the jury being deadlocked, not being able to come back with a decision. Okay, so that means pretty much that some people felt that he was guilty. Some people felt that he was innocent and they were not going to change their stance. N.W. Melly's double murder trial, unable to come up with a unanimous decision Saturday. On Friday, they asked for cell phone records and told the judge they were deadlocked. Melly's defense team thanking the jury for their efforts throughout the trial, but adding they were expecting a different result. We are somewhat disappointed that Melly is not walking out the door with us. Melly, whose real name is Jamel Demons, is accused of murdering Christopher Thomas Jr. and Anthony Williams in October of 2018. Surveillance video shows the group leaving a Fort Lauderdale recording studio that night, and prosecutors say Melly shot and killed Williams and Thomas soon after. Jamel Demons was sitting in the back seat of that Jeep. And he was the one that fired the fatal shots that killed Christopher Thomas and Anthony Williams. Investigators believe Melly and another friend then drove the car to a secluded part of Miramar, where they are said to have staged a drive-by shooting to use as a cover story. But Melly's defense team has maintained there are major holes in the state's case, even bringing their own witness who said Melly learned about the murders at the same time as the rest of their friend group. There's a lack of evidence. There is a conflict in the evidence. And the evidence itself... And the investigation itself stinks. And the jury did have a chance to decide <laughs> on a lesser charge. This case. So 
in the state of Florida, guys, they have. So once he declared that it was a mistrial, the state of Florida, they have 90 days. OK, to decide what they're what the prosecution wants to do. So the prosecution has a couple options. They can either a retry it or uh, or actually a three, three things, a retry it right with the same exact charges, b drop some of the charges and charge it maybe under charges that might be a little bit easier to prove because clearly they didn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt, which is why the um, the jury was deadlocked. Or C, uh, Melly takes a plea bargain and they work something out, right? So what I see for C here, the, when they asked, the prosecution automatically said, yeah, well, we can reset for, you know, in 90 days and go, right? Um, because once you do a, a mistrial and you do that second trial, it's kind of like they, they're on a speedy trial type um timeline they're not like it was before it took them damn near five years to get this thing to trial in the first place guys this murder occurred in 2018 10 20 october 26 2018 was when the murder happened this trial started in the summer of this year you that just shows you how backed up the florida state system is um and there was a bunch of other like big trials going on you know the parkland shooter was going on etc um so that's another reason why it was delayed but either way right those are three things that they can do what i think is going to happen is the prosecution is going to just try it again. It is what it is. I don't see them backing off. I see them continuing to prosecute, trying to prosecute this case. This is one of the biggest cases in uh, Broward County history. So they're not going to let this go. They're going to keep going. Uh, Melly's more than likely not going to take a plea deal. And I don't think that they're going to try to drop it to, you know, a manslaughter charge or something else like that. They're going to continue um, to push. Now, I wrote down here some notes, right, as to why I think the um, prosecution failed, okay? in proving uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. Because you guys know you guys know my stance on this, right? I told y'all with the evidence that they have, he 100% did it, right? He did it. It is what it is. That's my personal take on it after looking at the evidence. You know, reading through the complaint, I've spent so much time analyzing this case. Everyone in this chat knows it. I know it. He shot them and killed them. He was the only person in the backseat. The phone evidence shows this. I mean, hell, the, the phone puts him there. And for all the people that say, well, we don't know that because he might have left the car, right, and left his phone in the vehicle. Okay, please explain to me 1,300 steps, right, <laughs> after the fact and phone calls being made on that phone. No, Melly used the phone because he actually, he was in the area. Someone came and picked him up. He made a FaceTime call. He was sending out messages. Um, so even if you're going to go ahead and have the theory that the phone was in the, like, let's say he left, right? Let's say he actually did get in that other vehicle. He got in that Mitsubishi and left and the, and the car and the, um, phone stayed in the car and some other mysterious person got in and shot and killed them. Well, explain to me someone using that phone, using a FaceTime call, text messages, 1300 steps, etc. No, he killed them guys. He killed them. Like it is what it is. We know he killed them. However, Okay, this is very important right here. This is the literally the transition point. Okay, it does not matter what you know. It only matters what you can prove. Okay, one more time for y'all. All right, because I really, really want to get this in, like, get this like into your guys' heads. And I had to learn this the hard way when I was an agent. Okay, it doesn't matter what you know. It only matters what you can prove. And in this case, I'm going to have to go ahead and say it. The state didn't go hard enough with proving that Melly was the murderer. All right? And I'm going to tell you what I think were some of the issues as to why they did that. Okay? I told y'all before, I like Melly. I listen to his music. I don't listen to much hip-hop, but when I do, he's not bad. I like him. Okay? So I'm not biased. If anything, I'm biased in his favor. 
But when I looked at the evidence, I was like, bro, this, this, this guy did it, bro. Like, there's no way around this. He did it. Okay. If he walks out of this, I'm not going to be mad. I'll be like, okay, it is what it is. He's free. I'm not going to be like, oh, what the hell? And get all mad. I am completely in the middle with this because I like his music, right? I like the guy. I don't have a problem with him, like, personally. However, objectively looking at the evidence, he 100% did this. <laughs> he shot them boys. All right. And we know that there's motive and everything, and all the evidence proves this. However, the states dropped the ball. They did not prosecute this thing, or they, they didn't argue this thing, excuse me. They didn't argue this thing hard enough in court. They didn't go, they didn't uh, present the evidence in the in the best way. Because the evidence is solid, it's just that they didn't present it that way. And I wrote down some things that I think messed them up. All right. Before I do that, go over what I think messed them up. Uh, let's see here. I'll read these chats. School Scooter goes, just finished Europa today. All I can say is, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you guys go watch that one if you want. Would the mom really know what the numbers of the votes are? Were M Melly's mom capping? She said it was nine uh, not guilty to three guilty. Uh, she might be capping. I'm not going to lie to y'all. But I'm not sure. So is he absolved of all the charges retrial? He's going to do another trial. Myron, don't tell me not to worry about it. You need to be cautious, Zena. She's toxic and dangerous. If things don't go her way, she'll expose you next. Nah, man, don't worry. We'll be fine. <laughs> you guys don't. You guys are really invested in her and Sneeko. Uh, do you believe the state of Florida should have tried YNW Portland first and gotten him to flip on Melly to secure the conviction like the video? Bro, you are ahead of the game, Candace. Yes. If I was a state, I would be pushing to do the Portland trial right now. Okay. Because if they can go ahead and convict Bortland, he's going to be heavily incentivized to cooperate. Now, as you guys know, at the beginning of this trial, he was supposed to take the stand. And I don't know why he didn't take the stand. Maybe he got cold feet or he changed his mind or something like that. But he there was there was speculation that he was going to take the stand. Okay? Maybe the prosecution didn't think they needed him. Uh, but I'm going to get into that here in a little bit as well. But good, 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 uh, good question. How far was the studio from the murder scene? Uh, it looked like it was about 40 minutes away looking at the phone information. Uh, let's be real. If they let him out, he's going to do some stuff again. Do you think if he's on, uh, if you have murder on your mind, you can stay out of trouble? <laughs> okay. Uh, you ever going to do a vid on the Tay K case? I will in the future. Can I have a music career while working in law enforcement? Uh, Taj the Beast is you can, but it's going to be the, the two kind of contradict each other. It depends on what genre of music you're going to do. But you know, if you're going to be a rapper talking about, yeah, I'm going to shoot and kill and all this other stuff, well, you, you can't really be a cop, bro. It's not going to make sense. Okay? And it could probably cause you some issues with internal affairs in the future. So it depends on the genre of music that you're making. And then, uh, Mason, have you read over the Tate's case file? It looks very, very bad. Even if you only only part of it is valid, he's for sure guilty. Been watching them a while now, so kind of sucks. Um, well, remember, bro, there's a lot of exculpatory evidence, right? The girls that made the accusations, especially that Emma chick or whatever, She's a lifelong scammer, my friend. She's been she did this to seven other individuals. Actually, one of them ended up, uh, you know, um, what's the word? One did a uh, self deletion. So, you know, it is what it is. I they say are innocent, bro. Um, but I have looked over the case file. Um, six gorzillion cookies can't be baked in four in four years. I see what you did there, sir. I see what you did there. We're on YouTube, though, so I can't go all the way in with that. All right? <laughs> you guys, man. Daika, it's not what you know. It's what you can prove. Denzel Washington. Yeah, yeah. It's what you can prove, man. And in this case, it's not just what you can prove. It's what can you argue in court in a compelling fashion so that people understand and believe you. 
goes a step further. When you go to trial, it goes a step further. So here's a couple of the – now we're going to go into what I think uh, some of the mistakes were from the uh, prosecution watching this trial. Number one, the prosecutor needed help. I am shocked that she did not have a second and third chair prosecutor with her. What is the second and third chair? Well, guys, when you go to trial, okay, the lead attorney, right, is the attorney that basically is the main prosecutor in the investigation, right? Then you have a second and in some cases a third or even fourth chair if the case is big enough. And that means you have other attorneys or prosecutors helping you out running the case. They make arguments as well. As you guys can see, Melly had three different lawyers at the table with him, and each of them took turns basically objecting, um, giving uh, summaries, giving statements, uh, cross-examining witnesses, etc. Okay, kind of like uh, if you look at O.J. Simpson's team, right? He had like four to five different attorneys, you know, all having different specializations and working together. They called it the dream team, and we t I talked about that in the O.J. Simpson case as well. How he beat that case, right? He had a lot of good defense attorneys, and even though we all know O.J. killed his wife, okay, Nicole Simpson, we know he killed him. Everybody knows he killed them. The reason why he got away is because the state couldn't prove it, okay? And they couldn't prove it in court, and they had issues with witnesses being, you know, racist and all the other stuff, you know, Mark Furman, whatever. And I did a whole breakdown on that case, guys. It's age-restricted, which is why it's suppressed to the shadow realm in, in YouTube. But if you guys want to go ahead and still watch it, <laughs> it's there, all right? But again, that's another perfect example of you know he did it. We all know he did it. However, the state could not prove it. Hell, he went out to go do an interview like in 2006 or 2008, something like that, saying, if I did it. And he goes into like a hypothetical uh, where he talks about, oh, yeah, if I did it, blah, blah, blah. And he says how he had another individual with him, which I also think it was a two-man job. OJ did not act alone. Go watch that episode. And I go, I get my entire theory of how I think the murder actually went down and who assisted him. Okay, timestamp surrender. Go enjoy that one. But again. They didn't prove it. Same exact thing situation. Same exact situation in, in uh, this Melly case. They did not prove it. All right. The prosecutor was by herself doing this goddamn case. In the O.J. Simpson case, it was um, two prosecutors against like five the really good defense attorneys. Okay. So that's number one issue I noticed is that the, that prosecutor, the girl that you guys saw with the black hair, she was by herself the whole time. Okay. She didn't have a second or third chair helping her out. Or maybe she had an assistant, it looked like, but she it doesn't look like she had another actual attorney that knew the case. Number two, they spent way too much time on the blood and gang angle, okay? Like, way too much time, dude. Like, they spent, like, two weeks plus just on trying to establish that Melly was a gang member with the G-Shine Bloods, talking about the gang culture, showing text messages. You know, they brought in that, that uh, detective that um, didn't show his face, that worked undercover as a subject matter expert. Like, it, they spent way too much time on that. Now, why do I say that they spent too much time on it? The reason why, well, let's, let's talk first about why they brought that, uh, they, they did this, right? They did it because in order for them to get the death penalty in Florida, guys, they need to establish that the crime was committed in the furtherance of some type of gang activity. So they needed that gang angle to push for the death penalty. OK, and in Florida, the laws change. You don't need a unanimous vote to um, to get the death penalty anymore. I think it, the law changed. The Santos changed. It's about you need only eight people to uh, to agree after the person is convicted and they end up getting the death penalty. Right. And that's why they were pushing so hard on this gang thing, because they were pushing for that. 
Now, I think they wasted way too much time doing it. It took attention away from the um from the entire uh, from the actual real evidence in the case and it bored the jury. Let's just keep it a thousand. Like it bored the jury to a degree and it, and it, and it extended the trial longer than it needed to. At the end of the day, guys, the the jury is just a peer of people. A lot of them, some of them are college educated, some of them aren't. They're regular people from different walks of life. They don't like they have a finite amount of time that they can pay attention. Just keeping it simple with you guys. And we all know from watching, you know, this podcast and others, most people aren't that smart. Just keep it a thousand with y'all. Most people are kind of dumb. Most people have the attention span of squirrels. You understand? So when you're going, it's a comp a complex investigation, talking about gangs and all this other stuff, blah, 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 right? It's going to take away from the overall case. So by the time they started bringing in the phone stuff, the other witnesses, the uh, medical examiners, we're like two, three weeks into the goddamn trial. You know what I mean? So they spent way too much time on the gang stuff, in my opinion, right? And that diluted the quality of all the other um, information. Then, uh, and, and the trial was long-winded. Like, they could have did this trial in, in, in two weeks, I think, right? But I think that the prosecution really wanted to, you know, make a case, like, look at all these exhibits, etc. Sometimes less is more, guys. Less exhibits is, is, is better. It's more potent. The jurors are able to remember. It's able to stick in their head. And the fact that they had so much stuff, right, might have hurt them a bit. And I think we're spending so much time on the gang stuff because it took away from the uh, validity of the phone, the phone evidence, the testimony from the police officers, the testimony from the medical examiners, etc. So, and on top of that, the defense, right, what did they do? They're sneaky guys, right? They're very, very sneaky. They brought in one witness that said, yo, I was with Melly when the news was broken. He was in the red Mitsubishi. What does that do? That creates reasonable doubt, guys. That's what it does. It creates reasonable doubt. And guys, start getting your questions in now. Um, and I'll answer them and then we'll close this thing out. T today's going to be a shorter uh, Fed Reacts because we're just talking about, because I've already covered the case extensively, right? Um, and so we are kind of just summarizing things here. But I'll, I want to make sure I get all the questions answered. Um, but yeah. I think I think that's what I think those were some big blunders is spending way too much time on the gang stuff, um, sensationalizing that part, not focusing on the hardcore evidence that actually paints a very good picture, right? Like they had done in their criminal complaint. Um, all that messed them up. And with jurors, man, you got to be you just got to you got to call a spade a spade. I've done trials before. A lot of jurors are stupid. Let's just keep it a thousand. A lot of them are stupid. They don't have critical thinking skills and they have a finite amount of attention. So you want to go ahead and make sure that you give them the best evidence in the beginning when they're still fresh. Okay. Um, and you don't want the trial to be too long because they also get annoyed because they want to go home. They don't want to sit there and deliberate all that. Uh, so I, so, and then the other thing too, also, so I know a lot of you guys are saying, yo, well, is Melly going to get out on bond? I'll tell you all this. He definitely has a better shot of getting out on bond now. A big part of putting, of giving, uh, you know, because as you guys know, Melly was, has been in prison this whole time. He's been in jail all this time. The past five years, he's been in jail, right? And a big reason for that is because of the strength of evidence from this uh, state, the violence, all this stuff, they were able to articulate, no, he needs to stay behind bars, the dangerous society, the ferociousness of the crime, blah, 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 right? And then the evidence has, the, the state has a strong case, right? But since there's a mistrial, clearly what does that represent? Well, it's not as strong as they thought because they couldn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. So I am willing to bet Melly's defense team is filing something right now to go ahead and get him out on bond. 
Okay. It's probably going to be like maybe with, you know, severe restrictions. He can't leave his house, maybe house arrest, something like that. But they're absolutely going to work to try to get something uh, to get him out. And I think also the prosecution, if they're smart, like uh, Candace was asking, they're going to go ahead and try to prosecute Bortland. Now, here's the thing, though. I don't know if they could prep for trial and and do it with Bortland in three months. I don't think they can do it, you know. So, um, so that might be an issue. The other thing, too, that I'm a little confused of is I don't know why the prosecution didn't bring Bortland on uh, to testify. I don't know if he got cold feet at the last second or they didn't want him to testify because he's not credible. As you guys remember, he is the one that gave that nonsensical story about the drive-by shooting. So his credibility is already shot. However, okay, this is very important. A non-credible witness can be made credible when there's corroborating pieces of evidence to substantiate their story. What do I mean by that? If Borland took the stand and said, yes, Melly shot him, I was in the front seat, okay? That would have definitely made Melly guilty, even though Borland is not credible. Why? Because all the forensic evidence shows it. The bullet in the back seat, the phone evidence, the blood on the back of Borland's shirt that shows that he couldn't have been the shooter, right? So even though he's a liar in the eyes of the police, he can go ahead and, I guess, clear his credibility to a degree because there's a bunch of physical evidence, right, that would substantiate what he's saying. And then, more than likely, he would say, they would ask him, right, if the, the, if the prosecution put him on, why'd you lie to the police? Well, I lied to protect Melly, right? Or I felt scared for my life. Melly would have hurt me, some other bullshit like that, right? So he would have probably got a pass if he had testified against Melly, even though he's not a credible witness because the physical evidence against Melly is so strong. But, well, excuse me, the, the, the physical evidence against, the circumstantial evidence against Melly is very strong. It paints a picture when you put it together. But you don't have like that one, one smoking gun, right? Which is why they were able to go ahead and um, create that reasonable doubt, especially with that witness. Even though we know that witness is lying because when the prosecution put him on and cross-examined him, he didn't have any answers for her, right? But... Uh, but what, what that, that, what that one witness did though, was create the reasonable doubt that Melly wasn't in that Jeep. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Um, Lef, uh, Frelitka goes, the state just allowed him to drain his pockets. No way he has the money for two trials. They'll get the conviction a second time around. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, um, it's going to give the prosecution, the ch it's, it's going to benefit it. It's not a it's it's not a win for anybody really. For the prosecution, it's an L because you wasted all this time and resources to to do it, right? So now you got to prep again and do it again. So that's a pain in the ass. It's an L for the state, right? Because of time. And then from the defense standpoint, it's not an L or a W. It just delays the situation, right? And it and it gives you a little bit more. It gives you the ability to kind of sharpen your your craft and uh, know what the prosecution is going to use. Right or how they're going to argue things. The the prosecutor in this case, Chris, uh, Chris, I think her name is Christine Hadley or something like that. She's not the best uh, prosecutor. She she wasn't really animated. She was very bland in her uh, in in presenting her case. A lot of the times, man, being an animated attorney helps. I hate to say it, but like being boring, boring and monotone, and yeah, well, as a matter of fact, this is what happened, and the evidence will show. Blah blah blah. No, you want to be charismatic and um artistic in the way that you deliver your arguments a lot of times because you want to be memorable to the journey 
It, it's, it's the journey. So the jury. Okay. Sorry, guys. I haven't slept, man. We were go, we were working a lot in Columbia. I apologize for my voice, and I apologize for being a bit disconjointed here. But I am really tired. Um, yeah, I slept like two or three hours. Um, Michael Canonis goes. If jurors were smart, they would be smart enough to not be on jury duty. LOL, LOL JK Martin, are people ever not allowed in jury pools? Yeah, actually, I got summoned uh, for jury duty, man. Um, I'm going to tell them I used to work in law enforcement. They typically don't want that. Um, so it depends. It, it, so Sometimes they'll they'll take you out of a jury pool, depending on your profession or your background or if you're biased towards the type of case that they have. Uh, JTK, question. How did you prosecute this differently in the retrial? And do they think uh, do they need to pick new jurors as well? Yeah, they're going to have to do everything again. They're going to have to get new jurors. Everything is going to be redone from the beginning, guys. So that sucks. And then how I prosecute it differently, I would not focus so much on the gang stuff, not push so hard for the death penalty. Focus on the good evidence that you have. Don't make it a fucking clown show with bringing on detectives that can't show their face. Like, it takes away from all the other evidence that they had that was really good in this investigation. And yeah, I'll say it. The prosecution dropped the ball. They didn't prove, even though the evidence they have is strong and we all know he did it, they couldn't prove it during the discourse of a trial through litigation. Okay? Say that again for y'all because that's very important. Even though, you know, anyone with common sense would look at the evidence and be like, yeah, Melly's guilty. The prosecution did not do a good job of proving that he was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt through the course of litigation in a trial setting. Very different things. Knowing someone is guilty versus proving it with litigation in a trial, easier said than done, guys. Right? And I and again, the prosecutor, she needed help. She should have had at least another uh, one or two prosecutors with her to do this. I'm shocked that she didn't have a second chair. I am shocked. Um, if you were Melly's attorney and you had to go to trial, how would you defend him? Uh, they did a good job of defending him, to be honest with you. They just attacked the, the credibility of the investigation, saying that they were biased, saying that they didn't hone in on the other suspects. They brought in their own uh, witness, which was, which was interesting, even though that the witness is not that credible. But, hey, it doesn't matter because all they need to do is create reasonable doubt. Um, they attacked some of the subject matter experts. They, they, did, they made a really good point, by the way, about how some of the subject matter experts, their testimony was conflicting, right? So um, the defense attorney made a good argument about that, about uh, wh how one of the defendants was shot first, which conflicts with um, with another with another expert witness. So I think one of the cops, one of the sergeants uh, gave some testimony that conflicted with the medical examiner. So they were saying, yo, since this cop gave this evidence that doesn't conflict with the medical examiner, everything that he says got to be thrown out. So that that actually hurt quite a bit because that um, cop that they brought in, the sergeant was um, someone that was important to the investigation. Uh, L. SpongeBob goes, if you're Melly's, oh, sorry, King Life, what if the red Mitsubishi, those guys told Melly, the guys told Melly, get in the red car, and then one of the group, one of the group got in the back, the guys, the red Mitsubishi need their phones investigated. That's a potential as well. If they, if they knew what was up and they followed them the whole time, that could also be, oh, no, 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 actually, you know what? No, it's not because they did a phone, um, they, they did a phone analysis of one of the people that they interviewed, and that showed that they went completely different different directions. So uh, one of the people, because one of the guys lied and said that Melly got in a car with him, and that that did not um, that didn't line up with the, the phone evidence. But no, good good question, King Life. They couldn't wiretap his FaceTime. No, wiretap guys are real time. So um, when you're wiretapping something, you're getting that information real time through something called a Title Three intercept. And um, at the time, you you t you can't uh, 
You need an active investigation where you know that they're doing criminal activity, maybe a drug investigation, a gang investigation, whatever. You're actively investigating them. You need to be develop the probable cause while investigating them to be able to get the probable cause to get the affidavit, to file it, to get the Title III in the first place. So in this case, this is what I call a reactionary case. Uh, murder cases, 99% of the time, are reactionary cases, right? You're not going to... Because if you know that a murder is about to happen, you're supposed to stop it before it happens. You're not, even if you hear on a wiretap, you hear, oh, we're going to go whack this fucking guy, right? On some Italian shit. Forget about it. They're going to go ahead and notify that person that, yo, uh, there's a there's a hit on your life, right? John Gotti, they were going to kill him. They heard it on wiretaps. What did the FBI do? They went and warned him, hey, they're trying to kill you. And that the FBI actually saved John Gotti from being murdered. So even if they hear on a wiretap, they have to stop it. But murder investigations are reactionary. So there's no way that they could have wiretapped the FaceTime call because the murder had already happened at that point, okay? Um, and or, or if you mean like doing a search warrant and trying to get that FaceTime call, you, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that. Uh, do you think Melly had to tell his lawyers what actually happened so they know how to defend him? Uh, yeah, more than likely. A lot, of, a lot of times defense attorneys will sit there with their client and they'll be like, all right, man, tell me what the hell happened for real. And, you know, a lot of times they'll be like, yeah, this is what really went down, et cetera. And then that will allow the defense to kind of formulate um, a, a defense strategy. So that does happen. That's why um, lawyer and client uh, information is considered privileged, right? Because uh, you can say whatever to your lawyer and it's privileged and he can't, he can't, you know, do anything like he can't disclose that to other people. Right. And it can't be used against you either. Uh, Richie Long Dung, former President Trump in response to being indicted, has spoke on the Presidential Records Act. Is that real? Uh, yeah, it definitely is. But um the reason why, and you need, guys, go watch the Trump um, breakdown that I did. The reason why um, Trump is in trouble isn't because he declassified the stuff. It doesn't matter uh, for some of those documents. It's defense information, DFI. So it doesn't matter if it's classified or not. Defense information is always going to be, it's a no-no. That's where the mess up is. So, I mean, I mean, if, if he's going to use that as a defense, I mean, cool. But I don't think it's going to stand up. I I genuinely there. I told you already what I think is going to have to happen for uh, Trump to beat that charge. He's going to have to become president and pardon himself, or uh, hopefully DeSantis or somebody else becomes president and pardons him. But if he tries to go to trial, he's going to lose. He's going to lose. I mean, it's so bad. Matter of fact, because look, um, y'all know TK is asking about privileged information, right? Y'all know how bad the Trump case is. They have tr former Trump attorneys that are cooperating with the FBI. In, in this situation. That's how you know it's bad. When you got former attorneys cooperating, that's not a good look. Because, and I know this from reading the uh, the indictment, right, that the FBI has Trump's lawyer's notes. The only way that they would have a lawyer's notes is that lawyer is cooperating, and that means that that lawyer was implicated in criminal activity in the situation, which is what made it uh, no longer privileged. So, yeah, that case is bad, man. The state case in New York, uh, falsify business records ah who cares but the the um the federal one that that's that yeah no i'm telling you man the, the department of justice is not going to lose that they, they didn't and the feds don't indict unless they're going to win tonya man and they got him on a charge that he can't defense information you can't beat that um but i do think that they're you know unjustly going after him that that pisses me off because as you guys know i i do like trump but yeah they, they hit they're hitting him with charges that he can't beat unfortunately I just got to be objective about it. Um, Aiden, are you ever going to cover Aaron Hernandez? Yes, I will cover um, Aaron Hernandez for sure. Um, it's just a matter of time. I just got to um, 
that one's going to be extensive. I'm not going to lie to you guys. That case is very big, and I got to find out which documentary I'm going to use for you guys on that one because uh, Netflix will probably hit me with a copyright. So, uh, and and I did the Menendez brothers guys because, but YouTube hit me with some BS, man. So I couldn't drop it. But I did film it and everything for you guys, so I'm I'm kind of pissed off. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, any other questions, guys? By the way, and let me see here. What what do we got here? Uh, we got 3,700 y'all in here, man. We only got 1.1k likes, man. Come on, man. We should be at 3,000 likes, easy, man. 3,000 likes, easy, guys. Oh, hold on. Yeah, we should be at 3,000 likes, easy, guys. Stop being fucking cheapskates with your likes. Uh, Cloud Stripe goes. If I get kicked out of 109 schools, am I the problem? <laughs> oh man yeah we're on youtube bro we're on youtube we're on rumble all right we can't talk about them boys here all right uh could you cover the trayvon martin case um yeah i will i will in the, the and that's uh for some of you guys that are wondering some of you young young bloods out there that's the zimmerman and trayvon case um zimmerman famously uh ended up beating that case on the standard ground laws in florida um, under self-defense and, you know, obviously had everyone up in arms going crazy. Um, that was actually one of the, the uh, first cases that brought national attention to, uh, you know, to violence and minorities and everything else like that. I mean, it was really Rodney King, but that was a big one. I remember I was in college. Uh, who was slayed? Five bucks. I slew you for liking Trump and not being delusional. He really screwed himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the few guys that's like... Uh, I mean, a somewhat political commentator that likes Trump that like is, is letting y'all know. Yeah, see the thing. <sighs> Should I go on this fucking rant right now? All right, I'm just kidding. Whatever. <laughs> the difference between me and a lot of these people, right, that follow and love Trump, is that none of them have prosecuted a federal case with classified information and/or national defense information. <laughs> Like, I literally was involved in a case where we arrested this Iranian guy. I showed y'all this uh, before in that Trump video. That was, he was just taking um, fighter jet schematics, not even classified stuff. And, and they put him in prison for that. So Trump has classified stuff that he didn't classify on top of national defense information. And they have transcripts and recordings of him admitting that he knew he should have declassified some of the stuff. He didn't declassify the stuff. He's not president anymore, and he can't declassify the stuff anymore. So every defense that Trump has, right, they already kind of have uh, uh, they have a solution for it in the indictment. And here, remember, guys, the indictment isn't all the evidence. <laughs> That's just some of the stuff that they're disclosing. They have more evidence. They probably have more witnesses, more informants, more people willing to testify than it's in the indictment. They, that's just what they made public. When they go to trial, everything is going to come out, okay? And the attorney general will not choose, right? Merrick Garland, by the way. That's all I got to say on that one, okay? The attorney general will not choose to bring charges against a former president of the United States unless they knew, they absolutely knew they had him dead to rights and they could prove him guilty. Trust me, they would not. This thing was viewed by everyone at the Justice Department at the highest level. They would have never brought these charges against Trump and actually indicted him federally had they not known that they would get him dead to rights on this thing. And in this situation, bro, they got him. Defense, inf the National defense information, there's no games with that. 
You can't have it, period. You just can't have it. All right. And I know people are saying, well, Biden had it too, and, uh, you know, Obama, et cetera. The reason why the feds are going to be able to circumvent that and the criticism for that is because every other president that they've asked to give it back typically gives it back. And, right, the stuff that Trump did give back, they didn't prosecute him on that. They only prosecuted him on the stuff that they found in Mar-a-Lago, okay? They take the, let, let that sink in. So the stuff that he gave back, right, they're not prosecuting him on that. They're prosecuting him because he said, I gave y'all everything back. They made him sign something. Then they got a search warrant because they figured out that they didn't have everything back. And when they went to Mar-a-Lago and they found the documents, they're like, all right, we're prosecuting this guy now. That's it. We're done. You know what I mean? Like, yo. So... Yeah, one of FBI's got to do a search warrant. FBI, open up! And they find the classified documents after you told them that you gave them everything, right? Under under penalty of perjury, by the way. His lawyer signed a document saying they gave everything, which is why they're cooperating with the FBI right now, because the FBI got them by the balls because they said, oh, yeah, we gave y'all everything. And then they did the search warrant. No, y'all didn't. Now they're cooperating, which is why you see lawyer notes in their freaking indictment, okay? There's, there's, yeah, there's no... Yeah, Trump put himself in a bad place, man. He really did with this situation. The best thing you could do is um, delay, delay, delay this trial. Delay this, uh, you know, keep filing hearing, you know, keep filing frivolous hearings, whatever it may be. Get to the finish line, become president of the United States, win the election, and then pardon yourself. Right? That's the only thing I could think of for him to get around this. Uh, let's see here. This is from Stay Cool and Mean Business, W Stream. Thank you so much. Shorter stream, but we got it done. And then where do you think Melly Prosecution can improve next? Uh, like I said before, avoid the 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 gang stuff. Don't push so hard for the death penalty. Focus on the good phone evidence that you have. Focus on the circumstantial evidence. Paint that picture more clearly. Do it in a more concise manner. Get that out there first in front of the jury so they're you know nice and fresh and they could actually take in the information. And that's what I would say. They, 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 they bit off a bit more than they could chew because they're trying to push for the death penalty. And when you push for the death penalty, and I think that's another thing too as well. Uh, I'm glad you asked this because I just thought about this. The fact that they're pushing for the death penalty definitely made the jurors second guess finding him guilty because they knew that the consequences were so severe. And, and they tell them, hey, don't worry about the consequences. Just, do you think that they prove, prove them guilty beyond a reasonable doubt? They say that. They give them that in the jury instruction. But at the end of the day, humans are humans. They're going to go ahead and you know feel some type of way. And a lot of people would feel guilty if you know they didn't feel 100% and they convicted someone and they went to death. Sorry, they were put to death. So Annie's a young guy, right? Annie's famous. So to them, they're looking at it like, I don't want to be responsible for this man's death. I'm just going to say not guilty because I don't feel 100% convinced. But if they had maybe he's going to get life in prison or 20 to 50 years, whatever it may be, then it might be easier for them to say, okay, yeah, he's guilty. You got to look at it from a human perspective, you know? So um, focus on the facts. Don't push for the death penalty like you guys have been doing. I think that was that, that hurt them because they bit off a bit more than they can chew and they wasted uh, two weeks easy just on trying to establish that he's a blood gang member, right? Which has absolutely nothing to do with the actual murder in itself. Um, and I think they'll be in a much better position. So, uh, so yeah. Let's see here. Anything else before I close this thing out? Um, where do you think, Mel oh, then we got here, Michael Kinonis, would the channel get nuked if you cover Hunter? Uh, Hunter Biden. Um, I don't think so. I could probably cover Hunter Biden. 
Um, yeah. I'll ask Angie if that's been on the list a lot um, and go from there. Because I, I, that's the first I've heard you guys ask for a hunter. I didn't think you guys cared about hunter like that. So I didn't really push for it. Uh, let's see here. Anything else? All right. I think that's pretty much it, man. Give me ones in the chat if this makes more sense for you guys. And you guys, uh, you know, understand this case better and what a mistrial is now and what more than likely is going to happen is a new trial is going to happen in three months. I don't see the prosecution letting this go, and I don't see them uh, letting go of the charges. Uh, but I do think that they need to readjust and not focus so much on the gang stuff. I think that really messed them up. They wasted weeks doing that shit. And the jury only has so much attention that they can give. So, um, And y'all got a little bit of Trump information as well. Broke down a Trump case for y'all a little bit as well. But yeah, as a Trump supporter, man, I'm, you know, I got to keep it objective with y'all. Clan Sox case. Uh, yeah, I could in the future. I don't think anyone requested that one. But yeah, we got a whole list of stuff that we still got to cover for you guys. So, uh, so yeah. Shout out to Mo. He just messaged me. He's here on, he's, he's watching, he's watching the show uh, on the side lurking. Um, cool. All right, guys. I am going to go ahead and try to get some sleep. I'm dying right now. You guys can hear it in my voice. Uh, we're going to give you guys a Money Monday tomorrow with uh, George Gammon. We recorded it. Um, yesterday we talked about a lot of cool stuff with the with the financial markets, the central banks, what they're trying to do. We talked about you know some Illuminati stuff, right? Conspiracy theories of money and stuff like that. So I think you guys are going to enjoy that for sure. Um, and uh, we'll have after hours. I think we're going to have some special guests tomorrow. I'm not going to announce who, uh, but I think we're going to have some special guests tomorrow on after hours. Um, but yeah, I'll catch you guys on the next episode on a fed reacts love you guys as always man like the video guys please there's still 3200 you guys in here like the video on your way out don't forget to subscribe to the channel and i'll catch you guys on the next one peace a special agent with homeland investigations okay guys hsi this is what fed reacts covers defendant jeffrey williams and associate Whitesell did commit the felony so here's what six nine actually got Magatary conspiracy this attack shifted the whole u.s government this guy got arrested espionage okay trading secrets with the russian john wayne gacy aka the killer clown okay one of the most prolific serial killers of all time killed 33 people zodiac killer is a pseudonym of an unidentified serial killer who operated in northern california all these serial killers got they really get off on getting attention from the media many years jeffrey epstein sexually exploited and abused dozens of minor girls at his home it was oj working together to get nicole killed we're gonna go over his past the gang ties so